Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News and the weekly host of Crimson Cover Television on WVUA 23, joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. And of course, you can get the Talking Tide podcast wherever you like to get your podcasts as well, live on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Talking underscore Tide. Uh, just give us a follow there. You'll get links to all of our podcasts. want to thank a couple of sponsors at the top, certainly DraftKings and Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. More on them later in the program. Travis, Alabama basketball at the top of the show uh, this evening here as we uh, record on uh, a Sunday night a week before Christmas. Gonzaga takes down Alabama 190 over in Birmingham. The final score uh, ends uh, quite a run for Alabama. Uh, of course, the Crimson Tide coming off of that three-point win over Memphis at home from Tuesday night, which has also happened since we last podcasted. Uh, but the Zags uh, uh, return the favor, I guess, Travis, in Birmingham with a 10-point victory. Uh, phenomenal games from Drew Timmy and and Brandon Miller. Those two uh, stole the show. Yeah, they both look like All-Americans. You knew Drew Timmy was an All-American, and you had seen enough from Brandon Miller, even in his abbreviated time to this point at Alabama, to think he's capable of the type of performance we saw from him Saturday afternoon in Birmingham. But, look, going into the game, if I told you, hey, Alabama's going to shoot 52% from the field – 83% from the free throw line and scored 90 points, Chase, you probably would have liked the Crimson Tide's chances. But really, for a second year in a row at Legacy Arena, an opponent has come in there and really cut up the Alabama defense. And Timmy was a guy that you figured might go for 25-plus. Uh, but this is a Gonzaga team that, in terms of consistent scoring to go along with him, had struggled with that. Well, they didn't struggle with it all that much uh, in the 10-point win over the Crimson Tide. No, the only thing hotter than Brandon Miller was Gonzaga's whole team in the second <laughs> half. I mean, uh, the Zags shot 74% from the field in the second half, Travis. I mean, they, they just could not miss. Brandon Miller uh, did uh, really a Superman impersonation to keep Alabama into the game uh most of the way through the second half i guess you know this the, the zags extended that lead out to double digits with what uh seven eight nine minutes to go maybe so uh you know they controlled things down the stretch but had it not been for for miller uh doing some spectacular things alabama could have lost this one by 20 pretty easy yeah, an efficient 36 for Brandon Miller, too. I mean, 22 shots, that's getting it up a little bit, but 36 points off of that is uh, pretty impressive efficiency on the offensive end, and you're right, they needed it because turnovers continue to be a big part of who this team is, especially in the first half when you turn it over 14 times. And, you know, even when Alabama got out in front early, you were still seeing the empty trips via turnovers start to pile up. And so you're not going to sustain leads against teams like Gonzaga for very long if you keep that up. And unfortunately for Alabama, that continued to be the case. A little bit better in the second half, turned it over seven times. But by that point, Gonzaga had reached a level of confidence that sustained them 
for 40 minutes. They had a couple of guys that they were really worried about going into that game, especially Nolan Hickman, the point guard, right there on the basketball. But uh, as that game wore on, he even grew more and more confident in his own scoring ability. And, um, you know, 18 from Jaden Bradley, that's nice to see, but just couldn't get enough stops. And, again, when you're turning it over at the rate that Alabama did on Saturday, uh, those are some tough things to overcome. Yeah, turnover is a big problem for Alabama, obviously. And, and you know, I thought one thing Gonzaga did so well outside of Timmy, uh, and Timmy himself did this a couple of times, but knocking down that little teardrop runner in the lane from about 10 to 12 feet out, I mean, Gonzaga – and, and that, that shot's really not in the Nate Oates playbook, right? Because Nate wants the ball either shot from three-point range or he wants it at the rim. Uh, but – Nate, uh, I, Nate, Nate found out that there's a couple other ways to skin a cat, I guess, because those runners in the lane killed Alabama. They get, they, they were able to be accurate putting the ball up right above, you know, right over Alabama's shot blockers, right over Betty Ako, uh, without taking it to the rim, and it paid off. I thought the game defensively remind me of last year's meeting between these teams in Seattle, except. It was in reverse. I thought Alabama was too often late in its coverages on the defensive end, and I thought that was a big problem for Gonzaga a year ago. I know Nate, after the game, pointed to effort as much as anything else. He just didn't feel like his team played hard enough uh, on Saturday. And I thought a year ago in the win over Gonzaga, it was almost disrespectful the way Gonzaga approached Alabama defensively. And the Crimson Tide was able to get into the paint time and time again, and when it didn't score in close, it was able to get the ball out to open shooters, and I think they made 13 threes in that game a year ago, and I thought Gonzaga offensively did a lot of the same things to Alabama this year that the Crimson Tide did to the Zags a year ago. Yeah, continued uh, increase in minutes for Jaden Bradley as well, the freshman guard, Travis, that guy's role. Moving up, we heard Nate Oates say after the game that that Javon Quinterly is battling uh, something of a confidence issue, I guess, right now. Uh, limited minutes for Quinterly again. Uh, pretty high turnover rate, three turnovers in 12 minutes. Uh, that, that's uh, that's certainly not a good ratio. And, and Oates feels like Quinterly um, needs to get in a little bit better headspace, clearly. And Bradley's taking advantage of his minutes. Uh, continuing to uh, score around the rim, uh, dish out assists, and, and perhaps most importantly uh, of of all Alabama's players, right, at least lately, uh, he's not been uh, much of a problem in the turnover department. No, he's not. Uh, he's mature beyond his years. He's comfortable, it seems like, in the biggest of settings, uh, as we saw against Houston and uh, then again to an extent against Memphis. He had 18 against Gonzaga on Saturday. Um, you know, and you're also still without Namari Burnett. So when we talk about some of the defensive issues for this team. I think you can point to his absence for some of that. But still, this team in its last three halves is giving up 51, 52 points per half. If you go back to the second half against Memphis and then both halves against uh, Gonzaga on Saturday, it's 155 points they've allowed in three halves of basketball, 60 minutes of basketball. You yeah. know, that, that doesn't add up so good. And 
I'm sure that's a point of emphasis for Nate moving forward into this week. It is. And I think the turnovers have been a bigger issue in the first half and the second half across more than just this game against Gonzaga, Travis. That was certainly the theme uh, against uh, uh, Houston. Um, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of turnovers first half, cleaned it up in the second half. Uh, I'm not sure the half how the turnovers split over the halves against Memphis, but if they can come out of the gate taking care of the basketball a little bit better, uh, perhaps that'll uh, help hold the scoring down uh, on the other end. Does it seem break. like does it seem like guys are pressing maybe too much in this rotation? It seems like um, they play a lot of guys, um, and, and, and that's fine. But you know, some of these guys, it seems like Quinterly one of them as soon as he gets on the floor it's uh, an urgency to 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 make something happen it feels like right um, these team this team uh i get it you know minutes are precious and so there there's I, i'm sure a, a sense of i need to to get it done when i do get the opportunity just feels like sometimes guys are just simply trying to do too much and a lot of times mm-hmm. it's the easy play that'll that'll help you win games than it is uh, trying to win the game on a possession or two once you do get on the floor. No doubt. And and I think one guy who seems to let the game come to him a little bit coming off the bench is Ryland Griffin. Mm -hmm. And he's given Alabama some good minutes lately, some good minutes late against Gonzaga. Um, He's a hustler. He he can he he can leap. He can get to the rim. I like I like what I see of, of Ryland Griffin. Uh, to this point, his limits have, have certain his minutes have certainly been uh, pretty limited. But there's there's at least one example of a guy that Oates can go to on the bench who, who's who's not going to force too much. Yeah, with again with Burnett out, that's uh, that that benefits Griffin. You know, that's an opportunity for him and played just nine minutes on Saturday, had eight points as you outlined, and um, you know they just. They got to do a better job taking care of the basketball across the board. I mean, even Brandon Miller, as great as he is, uh, can be uh, – he can turn it over. Now, he had six uh, of Alabama's 21, but he also played a team-high 36 minutes. So, mm-hmm. you got to take that into account, too. What you don't like to see is guys playing 10 or 15 minutes, and they're in that three, four, five turnover range. Right, right. Alabama, of course, entered the week, ranked in the top five after the big win over Houston Travis. Uh, since then, of course, they've split a pair, beat Memphis, lost to Gonzaga. What do they What do they do with Alabama in those rankings that when they come out again, Travis? They put them in the second five, maybe? They, you wouldn't think it'd be too much of a tumble losing to uh, Gonzaga on a neutral floor. Well, the, the good news for Alabama over the weekend was that some of their more impressive wins – did a good job of winning. North Carolina beats Ohio State. Houston goes on the road and beats second-ranked Virginia. So, you know, Virginia was number two, mm. and Houston knocked them off. Um, you know, Alabama sitting there at four. Now look, you know, it's it's important down the road maybe for seeding purposes, but a two-and-one, essentially a two-and-one week. I guess it was more like eight days from yeah. Houston to Memphis to – Gonzaga, if we're all being honest here, if if we had told you that that was going to be the outcome of that stretch going into it, I think you'd have been okay with it. And I think Alabama 
still a top 10 team, I would guess, uh, when the rankings come out. But, um, you know, I, I think regardless, a, a team that, that still has a lot of promise. Took two out of three in the Phil Knight Invitational. Then they, they take two out of this and this stretch. Uh, so four and Houston, two from Memphis those and six. Gonzaga. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, it's, and one of those was can't a ask true for better road that. game. Yeah, a true pit game. So, yeah. Up next for the Alabama basketball team, they're going to be taking on Jackson State Tuesday night at Coleman Coliseum. That'll be a 6 p.m. Central Time tip-off. It'll broadcast on the SEC Network. And that'll be it for the non-conference schedule, Travis, getting right into SEC play uh, right after this next one against Jackson State. Yeah, I got a common opponent with their SEC opening opponent, Mississippi State, coming up in Jackson State. Mo Williams, former Alabama standout, going to bring yep. the Tigers to Tuscaloosa. So, um, been a rough stretch for JSU through 11 games. Played some really good teams. Played Mississippi State fairly tough, lost by 10. No shame in that. But uh, this should be an opportunity for Alabama to – to get a win and then go into the Christmas break. And it's here, man, as you said, SEC plays right upon us. All right. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors here on the Tide podcast and jump into a little bit of football talk before we close things out. We're going to start by telling you about DraftKings, uh, the corporate sponsor here at the Talking Tide podcast. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL go-to spot when you're betting on NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any NFL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. You can also get in on those same game parlays. Can't beat that either. Uh, The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big with the DraftKings Sportsbook. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any FL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier there in Tuscaloosa. Uh, it's not too late. Yeah, I mean, we're just a week away from Christmas Day, but they're there for you. Night and day, I guess you could say. At Peterbrook Chocolatier, get by and check them out. All of those Christmas treats are waiting for you. Still got the Roll Tide theme goodies as well. And, of course, the signature item, the chocolate-covered popcorn. Hey, no stocking is complete without Peterbrook Chocolatier. Get by and check them out. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section up Tuscaloosa. 16th year in business now. For Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. And they're ready for you right there again. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. All right. And uh, we'll turn to football now before we close things out here on Talking Tide. Travis, uh, the latest in all the lead up to Alabama's matchup against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl, of course, is that uh, the top two players. Uh, and team captains, Will Anderson and Bryce Young, will play in the game. Now, Travis, the the Vegas man had this game at minus three before that announcement was made, Alabama minus three. And since Young and, and Anderson declared that they're in, uh, that number has moved from three to six. Uh, I, 
is it done moving or do the, or does this announcement drive the money even further and get it up over a touchdown or, or is, is three to six, do you think as far as it'll go? I think there's some on second thought money that's still out there. Maybe good bread. I know that, you know, we got the announcement, we got the news on Friday and I don't suspect that barring injury, we won't see guys like Will Anderson and Bryce Young, but there may be some money that is just making sure at this point. But yeah. I would think, again, if it stays the way it is with Will, with Bryce, and not just those guys, but Jameer Gibbs, uh, Brian Branch, potentially, Jordan Battle, um, you know, if those guys are truly staying in, I would think that number increases as we get closer to New Year's Eve. You certainly, I mean, you're talking about a former Heisman Trophy winner in Young, the best defensive player in the country pretty much, and Will Anderson are certainly one of them. Uh, those two by themselves obviously make more than a three-point impact on any game. Uh, so I I think, I don't think we'll, I don't think it'll push to double digits, but I, I won't be, I'm, I'm like you. And, and really, even if, even if nobody opts out, uh, I expect that thing to, to keep moving uh, to a bigger number. Uh, and I think the Alabama favorite. Yeah, there's part of this, too, that, you know, Kansas State's a pretty damn good football team on top of yeah. it. You know, so uh, this is the Big 12 champions we're talking about here. These teams are not the Big 12 champs. And this is going to be absolutely the equivalent of a college football playoff game for Kansas State especially with Bryce and Will playing, you know, that team seems like they're wired in a way in which they like hearing that those guys are going to play. That right. just makes it all the potentially sweeter and uh, of greater magnitude for them. So even with the news that Alabama is going to have its marquee players, uh, I, I don't still, I don't look at it as a gimme because if it's, if it's, if it's kind of a, um, you know, not a big deal to, to, to the guys once they get down there, uh, then you're going to have a problem with this Kansas State team. And there's also depth to be taken into account. I don't think it's as big a deal with all the transfer portal guys for one game um, because most of those guys were depth providers. I guess J.B. and Cohen, a starter. Uh, but you've got Tyler Booker that's played a ton at offensive guard to go along with Emil Echior. Um but I think you got to look at Kansas State with a very legitimate eye and say, that's a, that's a good team and not the kind of team that maybe you'd like to see in this type of situation. They're going to come at Alabama with their best shot. There's no oh, doubt man. about it. This is, this is a huge opportunity for Kansas State. Alabama better be, better be ready uh, with its best game. And you're right, whether or not Alabama is, is uh, super motivated to play in this one remains to be seen, although – Certainly the fact that Anderson and Young are going to be playing in this one lends credence to the notion that, that uh, they'll be able to pull this team along. At least you'd hope so. Uh, yeah, I from mean, a motivation you, standpoint. You, can, you can draw back to Citrus Bowls like Alabama, Michigan State 12 years ago, right? At yeah. the end of the 2010 season, you can look at the Citrus Bowl to cap the 2019 season and say, well, those were – teams that 
you know, you could tell we're springboarding into another season, but at the same time, you can look back to 2013, didn't really show up against Oklahoma down in New Orleans. Right. 2009 didn't really show up against Utah. I'm with you. I think if with Will and Bryce, not as importantly as what they bring talent-wise to the mix, but I would think the mindset will be what it needs to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that anyway. Aaron Anderson transferring to LSU. That's uh, the last uh, some of some of the latest news out of the portal. The way I was a highly regarded wide receiver, never really got on the field as a freshman. Had some injury issues. Uh, I believe he made his uh, his season debut against Austin P. Uh, so uh, not certainly not what Aaron Anderson would have been hoping for for a freshman debut at Alabama, and off he goes to an SEC West rival. So that's uh, you know, between him and Holden and Earl, uh, that, that, that wide receiver rotation, uh, along with Cohen, as you mentioned, obviously being a starter on that O-line. But apart from that, uh, the receiver rotation in the Sugar Bowl is going to uh, spread some wealth, too, with those absences. You would think. Um, it felt like by the end of the season, they pretty much had a defined rotation uh, at wide receiver, Kendrick Law was starting to factor in more. You know, right. this, this thing with Aaron Anderson, it, it just feels like a guy who's going home, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the same way with JoJo Earl going to TCU and being from Texas. So, you know, you get that one-time chance without penalty of a sit-out or uh, a year uh, that you have to sit out. You got the one-time rule now. So, um, you know, some of these guys, I think after a year or so, they're, they're feeling like I'm going to, I'm going to – I think what it shows us is maybe there were some guys that were pretty torn even during the recruiting process, and uh, this is a way to, to go about changing that. And speaking of the recruiting process, Travis, as we close things out, got to mention National Signing Day upcoming Wednesday, December 21st, Alabama uh, currently with uh, the number one class in the nation, a couple five stars, lots of four stars. Uh, it looks like, uh, barring any surprises, it's going to be another huge haul for, for Nick Saban. Keon Keeley, the big-time pass rusher of late, uh, cast his lot with the Crimson Tide. I know that was a big pickup, Travis. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's clear for sure that uh, Nick Saban has not lost a fastball on the recruiting front. No, uh, they're still getting it done. There's going to be some turnover on that staff, you have to think, too. But they're holding it together to get to Wednesday and the start of that early period. And uh, it looks like defensively uh, is where the the finishing kick is probably going to take place more than anything. And you're right with Keeley, uh, the one-time Notre Dame commitment now in the fold. Uh, they've got some early enrollees that are already going through bowl practice. Justice Haynes, the outstanding running back from the state of Georgia, is expected to join the Alabama team here in the next two or three days. So if, if there's any concern about the recruiting effort on the heels of what some would refer to as a, a disappointing season anyway, it's not showing up from, from that perspective. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Stay tuned. We'll be coming at you again with a look ahead at the Sugar Bowl and much more 
uh, on our next podcast here on Talking Tide. Until then, we'll talk to you all later.